1-855-821-5900 is the uh, number anytime to get a hold of Lior. Email works as well, L-I-O-R, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to the trustee severance pay calculator in a few minutes here as we uh, roll on. Some of your emails throughout the show as well, and we'll get to workplace uh, harassment, which is a huge topic on the minds of a lot of people these days, and especially with job cuts and all that stuff coming down the, uh, the pipe. But first, uh, we always get to the week that was. How was it, my friend? Well, John, thank you very much. Really great to be uh, back here and talking about employment law. I wish uh, the weather was better. Uh, you know, I keep, uh, keep waiting for it. But uh, it is that time of year now in the spring. Uh, we know it's spring because it's not as hot yet. But uh, it's a time of year when a lot of changes happen in the workplace. I mentioned that last week. Uh, and I've been seeing it every single day over the past couple of weeks. Uh, people, unfortunately, are the victims of restructuring, cost-cutting, uh, reorgs, whatever you want to call it. There's all kinds of beautiful names that employers use. Uh, the net effect, unfortunately, is people having to lose their jobs. Now, uh, if you're in that situation, hopefully you're not in there for long. Hopefully you'll find an, a better, newer, more exciting position. But in the meantime, you have to make sure your severance is fair. You have to make sure that you're owed compensation. And by the way, here's a spoiler. Yes, you are owed severance. So we'll talk about that on the show, and I'll start off with the week that was, a couple of situations that I dealt with over the past few days. Uh, the first one, I started with an email that I got actually uh, from, from someone, uh, and she emailed me simply to say that she was called into a meeting and, and unexpectedly was let go. And then she, uh, she described what they offered her. She had been there for 10 years, the email said, and they tell her they're going to pay her eight weeks' pay. And the question that she had is, my concern, Lior, is that I used to work and get paid by the hour, eight hours a day, five days a week. But for some reason, and she said, the way they've calculated my severance, my eight weeks pay, is on the basis of seven hours a week. They've calculated, and I guess for a, a, a lunch break she, that she doesn't take, and she, she gets paid for eight weeks. And so her concern was, well, wait a second, why am I now getting paid eight weeks on the basis of seven hours a day when it should be eight hours? What can I do about that extra hour a day, Lior? And that was her question to me. And I immediately uh, emailed her and I said, give me your number or give me a call we need to discuss. Because as you know, and hopefully our listeners know, uh, the issue of seven versus eight hours a day, uh, a big deal, sure, but it's not the biggest deal. It's not no. the most important issue. The real issue is the fact that after 10 years, they were only going to pay her for eight weeks. So I, I spoke to her, and my, my uh, assessment, she was owed about eight months' pay, John. So uh, that was a huge issue. We're, we're, t we're talking about a difference here for probably about $20,000, and And this is a very, very good example of the types of questions that I get when people don't necessarily appreciate the magnitude of their entitlements. If in this situation, John, they told her, yeah, yeah, we're going to pay you the eight weeks on the basis of eight hours a day, she would not have had any problem. She would never, never have contacted me. She would have assumed that that's right. She would have moved on. Uh, and, and that is so common. Sometimes people call me uh, asking about the record of employment where they lose their job, asking me about their outstanding vacation. Uh, all of those are legitimate, legitimate and important questions. But the real question, the big one, always has to be, did you actually get the right amount of weeks or months pay that you're owed? In most cases, John, the answer is no. For this lady, thankfully, she sent me the email, and I'm going to be working with her over the next uh, few days and few weeks to make sure that, forget about the eight weeks, we're going to get you eight months' pay. So, uh, John, hopefully there's a lesson there for many of our listeners. 
Yeah, one simple uh, email could have cost her literally tens of thousands of dollars, which is a scary thought for all the people that uh, don't hear the show and don't call, right? Yeah, it, it is exactly that. And, and, you know, it was just by luck. I mean, she was uh, contacting me about an hour a day and realized she's owed another 20, 25 grand. Uh, <laughs> an important email, right? What else you got going on today? This is what a week that was. Johnny, so let me tell you about another matter. Uh, and, you know, this one, again, makes me shake my head a bit. It's just one of those things where, you know, I, I really want to ask, really, employer? Really? Uh, in this case, what happened, uh, a very uh, nice uh, older lady contacted me. She was off on a disability leave for two months because of cancer treatment. She was undergoing cancer treatment after two months of treatment. Thankfully, uh, thankfully, she was better to go back to work. Of course, she contacts the employer about coming back to work. They tell her to come into a meeting on the first day, and they let her go. Now, why? The employer says, well, we let you go because of errors that you made in your work, bad performance. Oh, yeah, and we were going to do that before you, were, uh, you, you went on medical leave, but we, we didn't do it, so we're going to do it now. Now, of course, this lady, uh, had, had, having been there for several years, never received a bad performance review, never had any complaint, verbal or otherwise, about her uh, performance, about errors, about any issue. As far as she knew, no problems, wasn't aware of anything. The first time she ever heard the word errors, performance, was when they let her go. So what does that mean? That makes it look fairly bad. It makes it look, uh, and it probably is the case, that they're letting her go because of her medical condition. Maybe they don't want to take her back. Maybe they are afraid that she's going to need more time off and they don't want to deal with that. And that's illegal, John. That's a human rights violation. They, they can't do that. Uh, and in a situation where the termination was legitimate, fine. But in this case, it appears to be directly tied to her uh, absence. Unless the employer can prove somehow that they were just about to let her go and just decided to hold off because of the medical leave, uh, this now is not only an issue of severance, it's an issue of human rights damages. So remember, employers and employees out there, you cannot be let go because you're on a medical leave. You cannot be let go because you have a medical condition. That's illegal, and the law comes down pretty hard on any employer that uh, violates an employee's rights in that way. You mentioned uh, uh, severance offers and the, the correct amounts in the last couple emails. We'll get down to how you did that and how everybody can do that with the severance pay calculator. That will get into workplace harassment and your emails as well. That is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. The number anytime, one 855 821 The Employment Hour right here. It's Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Lior at employmenthour.com. Let's get into this. The severance pay calculator. We talk about it every week just to hammer it home. I love this thing. It's a great tool. Yeah, well, John. Well, I, I created it. Of course, it's a great tool. Huh. Uh, it's a tool that allows everyone to find out how much severance they're owed. It's the first of its kind. It was rev- revolutionary, uh, is the word uh, when I when I came up with it, uh, because it gave people that information that up until then you had to call a lawyer to find out. So it's very simple. SeverancePayCalculator.com is the address you go to. Or you can download the app on your smartphone. Uh, It doesn't matter which phone you use. There's an app for it. SeverancePayCalculator.com. And you input your your age, your position, and the length of your employment. Just those three questions you got to answer. You pick from a drop-down menu. uh, Pick the one that closest applies to you. And you're done. It's going to tell you how many months pay you owed. If you just lost your job, if you're worried about losing your job, if you're curious about what would happen 
if you may lose your job, it's so important. Uh, you know, if that lady that uh, I spoke about at the beginning of the show that was offered eight weeks, if she had used the severance calculator, she would have known right off the bat that it's not a question of uh, did the employer calculate her entitlements correctly. It's a question of how many months pay she's owed. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to the people that you know. It's so simple. Just tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. The number to get hold of Lior is, well, one 821 Let's talk about workplace harassment. So how does the law define, what is the definition of workplace harassment? John, workplace harassment is a situation where someone is uh, involved in conduct that someone else reasonably finds uncomfortable or unwelcome. Uh, that type of conduct, and it's a very broad definition. It doesn't have to be anything specific. It can be a bunch of things. It could be anywhere from uh, using profane language to uh, bullying conduct to ignoring people uh, purposely uh, to, to uh, you know, sexual overtones. Any type of conduct that someone else reasonably finds to be unwelcome can be considered harassment. And, of course, we're talking about workplace harassment. So it has to either happen in the workplace or at least be tied to the workplace. Potentially, if you go out uh, uh, to for drinks with your colleagues after work and you're being harassed, there may be enough of a connection for that to be workplace harassment there because you still have to work with these people the next morning. So we're going to be talking in the next uh, couple of segments about workplace harassment what it is, if, you've, if you're guilty of that workplace harassment, or sorry, if, if you're the victim of the workplace harassment, if your work environment has been poisoned and you're, you're dreading going to work every day, you don't know what uh, you should be doing, uh, stick with us. We'll talk about that and hopefully give you some good advice. You know, the big cases often make uh, the news, if not front page news, when it comes to this thing, but how common is it really? It is extremely, extremely common. Uh, and I, I probably won't, I'm going to say that over the last 10 years, that's the one area of my practice that I've seen the most substantial growth in. Uh, and just in terms of the volume of calls and emails and questions that I get, I think a lot of people are more comfortable talking about these issues. Uh, people that, uh, that suffer from harassment uh, you know, in the age of the Internet may go online and, and look it up and realize, wait a second, I'm not alone. There's other people that have suffered harassment, and that empowers them to, to go up and, and talk about it and, and say something about it. So unfortunately also when uh, you know, workplaces now uh, expect more, demand more, uh, these situations of workplace harassment become much more frequent, and the law really has has gone a long way in creating mechanisms to deal with the, with workplace harassment and imposing obligations on employers to deal with it properly, to investigate, to have policies. So gone are the days when an employer can say, ah, oh, you know what, boys will be boys. That's just not acceptable anymore. So give me uh, one or a, tip, a few typical situations. Well, the most common situation probably is uh, an employee who only is trying to do his or her job and uh, probably their boss, someone that they're reporting to, is just being nasty to them, either is making completely unreasonable demands uh, or, or putting them down, excluding them from meetings, uh, you know, making them feel worthless, meaningless, uh, and, and just uh, making the work environment very intolerable. And, John, work is such an important part of our life. It's so important. You know, our job forms a big part of our identity as people, as individuals. And when something like that happens, when your work environment becomes poisoned, it's going to impact you in a big way. You can't just say, well, this is just work. Now I'm done work, so I'm going to forget about it. 
it's very difficult to do. So a common example is, as I just said, other examples will be uh, conflict with uh, with coworkers, where uh, co uh, you know coworkers mistreat each other and create that same poison work environment. Uh, and and there could be many other categories, but those are probably the most common ones. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Lior at employmenthour dot com. This may be an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. Is it uh, more common with men or women, or is there, there no difference? You know, it's not an obvious question because uh, I, I think most people would guess. Well, maybe it's more likely for women to to be the the victims of workplace harassment. Uh, in my experience, it's not necessarily the, true, or certainly the the percentage of men and women are, are fairly close that are you know victims of harassment. Maybe the type of harassment may be different. Women certainly and unfortunately uh, are more likely to be the victims of of sexual harassment, uh, sexual behaviors by by men towards women that's unwelcome. But men are just as likely to be harassed in other ways, uh, in terms of you know a boss being a complete you know what and, and making their life miserable and and driving them to the post of uh, to the to the state of almost being uh, you know going crazy here. So it's not just a w- women versus uh, men. It, it is common in both uh, both situations. So you don't have to feel bad about it if you're you're facing that. It's common. Other people are dealt with it, have dealt with it, and are dealing with it. And I'm going to give you some thoughts soon as to how to best approach that situation if you find yourself the the victim of harassment. We'll take a uh, we'll take a short break. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. It is Leor at employmenthour.com. Some emails coming very shortly. And when you got a moment, check out severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what your severance offer surely should be, as far as the uh, dollar amount is concerned. Lots more of the employment hour straight ahead. Talk radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred. CHML. one 821 L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com, severancepaycalculator.com as well. You'll find out what your severance package should be as far as dollars and cents is concerned. Talking about workplace harassment, so an employee feels they're suffering some of this. What should that person do? And that, that is the big question. So I'm, I'm the victim of harassment. Things are bad. I, I've tried to uh, you know, deal with it or I've tried to ignore it and hope things are get better, but they're not. They're getting worse and, and I can't take it anymore. What do I do? The first thing I advise individuals to do in that situation is to see if they can deal with it internally. What I mean by that is you want to try to see if there's a way to fix it within the four corners of the workplace. So you want to talk to someone either uh, the boss, the owner of the company, an HR person, someone in the position of authority that may be able to fix the problem. It's quite common and quite appropriate uh, to file a a harassment complaint. Most uh, uh, employers, certainly ones that are not tiny, have formal policies and practices as to how you file a harassment complaint with who, etc. So you want to do that. You want to give the employer the opportunity to try to resolve it. And by, by resolve it, the expectation is that the employer, once it becomes aware of the harassment, first thing they'll do is, is investigate, determine what actually happened, uh, and, and get some other information to figure out exactly what the issue is. And once they've done that, if they've concluded that there has been workplace harassment, they have to do something about it. And what I mean by that is they may uh, impose discipline on the on the person that was uh, uh, doing the harassing. They may uh, remove them from the workplace, change their job, potentially even terminate the uh, the guilty party if the conduct is serious enough. But the legal obligation on the employers, once the employer becomes aware of it, once the employer is told, here's what's going on, 
They cannot, under any circumstances, ignore it. Their legal obligation is to investigate and then take appropriate remedies. If they don't, well, that, that becomes illegal conduct, John. We're talking about workplace harassment and everything under that uh, particular topic. So what, uh, what should an employer do now on the other side if they receive a harassment complaint from an employee? Well, you take it seriously. That's the first thing that you do. Uh, a lot of uh, employers still are, uh, despite what I said, under the mentality, well, you know, you'll figure it out yourself. Come on. You know, it's all good. Boys will be boys. Back in my day, you know what I mean, that type of a mentality. Well, that's not acceptable. So if you're an employer and an employee comes to you, doesn't matter if he or she is young or old, junior or senior, you have to take it seriously. The first thing you do is you get all the information you can from the individual. Uh, you, you get d- names, dates, uh, particulars, and then you you have to investigate. You have to figure out what actually happened. You don't necessarily have to take the the employee's word for everything, uh, you know, uh, without uh, without exception. You have to make your own determination as to what actually happened. That may mean asking questions of others, maybe asking questions of the person that's being accused of, of harassing, and ultimately reach a conclusion. If the conclusion is that nothing happened, well, you have to convey that to the person that made the uh, harassment uh, complaint and explain to them why you believe that, why you've, what you've done to, uh, to investigate. If the conclusion is that, yes, there was inappropriate conduct here, you have to fix it. And, and there's probably a dozen ways you can do that. You, you may decide to provide some, some training to the person that was doing the harassing in terms of behavior that's appropriate and inappropriate in the workplace. You may decide to provide discipline, a warning, maybe even a suspension. You may decide to, to separate two people that clearly can't work together. In some situations, a termination may be appropriate. So there's a, a variety of options available to employers an option that's not available to employers is to simply ignore it. That's something you cannot do. So if an employer say they can't complain to the boss because it's the boss doing harassment, then what do they do? And that is usually the, the, the follow-up question when I get by, by employees when I tell them, you know what, you have to deal with it internally. Oftentimes I, I get, you know, the, the answer may be, well, I've tried, uh, Leora, I've tried to deal with it internally. I filed a complaint and nothing was done, or really there's no one to turn to because we're a small company, mm-hmm. or I can't go to the company owner because it's the company owner that's the guilty party. The company owner's the one that's harassing me. So what do I do? There's no, I've exhausted my opportunities to deal with this internally. Well, that's when we have to go externally. At that point, you have to give me a call. At that point, we need to potentially look at the legal remedies that are available. Now, in some situations, what the, the remedy may be that for me to send your employer uh, a letter saying you better deal with this or else, and if that's not possible, we may have to look at it as a constructive dismissal. Now, a constructive dismissal in this context happens when the work environment becomes poisoned to the point that the employee really can't continue working or doesn't want to continue working, uh, and they've tried to resolve the matter with the employer and nothing's happened. At that point, the employee doesn't have to continue working. They're allowed to leave and still require the employer to pay them their full severance. It's as if the employer has terminated employment. So one of the remedies that's available to an employee that's being the victim of workplace harassment is to treat that as a constructive dismissal, to get yourself out of there and still get compensation. That's very important to understand. Of course, John, I always want to say, and I've said this before and I'll say it now, is if you're the victim of harassment and you think this may be a constructive dismissal, you don't quit. No. Okay? You don't quit at all 
until you talk to me. We need to do this properly. After we talk, we may decide exactly that you need to quit and how we're going to do that. But you can't quit and then call me. Let's, let's talk to me first, then see. And by the way, John, in some situations, it could be a human rights matter. We may need to pursue this as a human rights uh, issue. Uh, you have to give me a call if you've exhausted the internal options. So we'll uh, leave you with the number until we uh, take a short break here. one 821 5900 It is com to find out what your severance should be as far as the dollar amount is concerned. Make sure you use that. Even if you uh, haven't been let go, you just want to know if it happens uh, in the future, that too. And email Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll continue our chat about workplace harassment here in the Employment Hour. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Lior at employmenthour.com through email and of course severancepaycalculator.com. Use that calculator, find out what your uh, your severance offer should be. Guaranteed, it's a uh, it's a little low, if not uh, wonderfully low. Get on it, fix it. We're talking about workplace harassment here. So um, you've made the complaint, uh, you've decided to stand up and do something about it. What happens if the employer does nothing about that complaint? Yeah, and, and that's something that happens often. Unfortunately, employers don't know any better and they don't know their obligations. Well, at that point, we look at it externally, as I said. Uh, and I want you to keep records, though, of trying to do that. So it's extremely important to me that if you do speak to someone in HR, the, the boss, whoever it is, that there's a record of that. I don't want the employer later on to say, oh, we didn't know. You didn't tell us. Mm-hmm. We didn't have an opportunity to fix it. So it's important to, to have an email, for example, where you confirm the discussion that you had. Or if you're filing a harassment complaint, have a copy of any document that you fill out. I want there to be a record of you at least trying to resolve it internally. If you go speak to someone, confirm back in an email, maybe write it down, I spoke with Bob in HR on uh, Monday, whatever it is. Uh, very much important that you do that. If that doesn't get you a result, then you can talk to me. Let's talk about it and figure out how to uh, get you out of there potentially, or at a minimum, give the employer a kick in the pants so that they do what they're supposed to. So like any other matter in employment, uh, whether it be severance or being harassed, documentation is key. Always keep documentation, papers, emails, everything, right? Yeah, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. I've said this before, and this is a rule that everyone should live by. If you ever wish to yourself, well, man, you know, I wish there was something in writing for this. I wish I had this in writing. Hey, it's not a problem. Create it yourself. All right? An email works wonderful. Uh, it, you know, we didn't have that option 30 years ago with email. Right now we do. We can document something right away. We can confirm things instantaneously. If something was said to you verbally and you wish you had that in writing, immediately go and send an email to that person and say, hey, I confirm our discussion where you told me the following. And, and that's it. That's all you need to do. Keeping documents uh, is important. And if you're, you are being harassed uh, and, and you, you believe that this matter is going to have to be dealt with by way of potentially legal action, let's have records. Let's have dates of when things happened, who was involved, where did it happen. Notes and records that are kept contemporaneously are the best ones, and it makes resolving the matter later on that much easier. Does the, uh, the resolution metric change at all if someone's uh, being harassed, for instance, ethnicity, religion, or disability? So a lot of workplace harassment is just uh, you know what I call non-discriminatory harassment. Someone's harassing you because they're a jerk uh, and, and for no other reason. But uh, other types of harassment, is it is discriminatory. So if you're being harassed because of your medical condition, ethnicity, age, that's, that's beyond the fact that it's not right because it's harassment. It's also discrimination. 
Uh, if you're being harassed, not just because someone's a jerk, but because they're also a racist, for example, that's a human rights violation. That's illegal, which means that beyond this potentially being a constructive dismissal, which entitles you to severance, you're also potentially entitled to human rights damages. So that's, uh, that's something that everyone needs to remember. Not every harassment is discrimination, okay? But certainly every discrimination would be harassment. Uh, and I have seen a lot of that, especially as it relates to medical conditions. Uh, you know, employers uh, having an employee that, that gets along well with everyone, but as soon as they have medical conditions, they become like a pariah. No one's treating them well. They're, they're being put down. Uh, they're getting bad performance reviews. That's harassment because of a medical condition. That's a human rights violation. In other words, it's illegal. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number to get a hold of Lior. We'll uh, we'll bounce over to uh, being on probation here in just a minute. I want to get through a couple of emails as we always uh, prompt people to send them in. Lior at employmenthour.com. Brian writes in says my boss keeps threatening me. There you go. That I'm going to be fired. I also have emails from him. I have emails from him saying that I am uh, on the chopping block. That's a nice term. This stresses me out beyond belief. What can I do? Well, you know, John, this is a timely email because that's exactly the type of conduct that can and does result in in harassment. You you shouldn't be treating someone that way. Uh, It's just not a productive way. It creates a a poison work environment. It makes the work situation very, very difficult. So in this situation, if that's what what our our, uh, listener is going through and to the extent that that's something they can show because it's in writing – they have the option to potentially treat that as a constructive dismissal. No one should have to be treated that way, be worried about their job, being told that, hey, you're on the chopping block. That's unprofessional. That's inappropriate, irrespective of where you work or how long you've worked. So an employer shouldn't do that. So give me a call. This may be a constructive dismissal. This may be exactly the type of situation that would allow you to leave with compensation no one should have to deal with stuff like that. Jack email says, I was just told that I either have to take a pay cut or go on temporary layoff for three months. What are my options? Oh, come on. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I get these all the time. John, really, I mean, you, you know better. You know what I'm thinking here. Yeah. Well, no, fortunately, that those are not the only options, okay? There's another option, uh, and that is uh, you can decide to do neither the pay cut uh, nor the layoff. You can leave with severance. Neither of those things, the, the, the temporary layoff or the pay cut, is something that an employer is allowed to do, which means if they choose one of them or either of them or potentially both of them, uh, you have an option, and that is you can say thanks but no thanks. I'm going to treat this as a termination and leave and require you to pay me my full severance. So for now, what do you do? Well, what you, you tell your employer uh, is that in this situation, I choose nothing, okay? Uh, what I choose is to stay in my job and, this, and do the same job that I have, and, and I choose to remain and with everything uh, the same. Make them make the choice. Right. If the employer is the one that chooses to put you on a layoff for three months or to cut your pay, it's their decision. That's illegal. That's a constructive dismissal. dismissal. Your uh, job, Jack, is to simply say, I'm staying in the same position. I don't want any changes they make a change, you give me a call. Some more of your emails. We'll get on to the topic of being on probation here in just a minute. In the meantime, the number one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior. And it is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. That's the address to send those emails uh, from which we just pulled. Severancepaycalculator.com. Check that tool out. Find out where your severance offer really should be if it ever comes down to a time where you're Looking for the right dollar amount, that is the perfect tool to do so. It is the Employment Hour, Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 
1-855-821-5900 is the number. Lior at employmenthour.com. Some more of your emails uh, very shortly here. We get uh, questions all the time on the phones and emails as well about being on probation. So what does it mean to be, quote-unquote, on probation? And that is a term that's often misunderstood. And a lot of employers and employees uh, think that it's some things that it's not. So let's break this down and let's try to set things uh, straight. So being on probation means that there's a period of time that the employer is allowed to have to assess your suitability for the position, to assess whether or not you have the right skills, the right attitude, the right experience to do the job that the employer wants you to do. Uh, it's also an opportunity for you, the employee, to assess whether or not you, you feel that this is the right job for you, whether the employer uh, provides the type of work that you want to be doing. So that's a, it's a period of, of assessing and evaluating each other. And it's, it's, you know, it's like dating before you get married. You have that period to figure out, hey, is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? Well, is this the employer or is this the employee that I want to be working with for the next uh, foreseeable future? Uh, future? So that's what a, a probationary period is. And uh, in many cases, we see that when an employment starts, that's the right time to have a probationary period. Uh, but hey, John, it's not automatic. I was going to add, that was my next question. Is, it, is everybody on an automatic, say, three-month probation? No, it's not. So a probationary period is not automatic. The law doesn't impose anything automatic when it comes to probationary periods. Uh, a probationary period has to be uh, the, as a result of an agreement between the employer and an employee. What I mean by that is if you sign an employment agreement, you just got a job, and hey, here's your job offer letter or your employment agreement, your contract of employment. If that document outlines a probationary period, then that probationary period exists. Uh, if, if you're uh, hired and it says you're on three-month probation, then that's what it is, and I've told you what a probationary period actually is and what it does. If it doesn't say that, if it's silent, if it simply says, hey, you're starting on Monday, see you then, uh, then no, you're not on probation. There's no such thing as probation. It doesn't exist automatically. It has to be put in writing, and it has to be created by way of an agreement between the employer and the employee. How many uh, how many workplaces have let people go within three months and assumed, oh, you know, you don't get severance because you're on probation? No, 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 no. No, and that's very important. The fact that you are on probation, okay, the fact that you're still on probation and you're let go does not mean you don't get severance, okay? Those Probation does not equal no severance. Those are separate things. You may be on probation. You may have been let go after two and a half months and of your, of your three-month probationary period. And you're still going to be owed severance. And depending on your age and the type of job that you had, you may even be owed a few months pay. You, the, the amount of severance that you could get could even be more or, or longer than the length of employment. The only way you would not get severance in the first uh, or, or while you're on probation is number one is if it's if the probation is three months and or, or less. Number one, number two, if if. For that three months, the employment agreement says that you can get you can be let go without severance. So the only way you don't get severance during the probationary period is if the agreement says, if you sign a document that says in the first three months we're going to let you go or, or we can let you go without severance. It can't be longer than three months. So if it says in the first four months or five months or six months we can let you go without any severance, that's illegal, Okay, which means you would get severance in any event. But in some situations, you can be let go in the first three-month probationary period only if and only if the employment agreement says that explicitly 
in many cases, John, we've talked about this before on the show, uh, it doesn't say that, and people believe that it's automatic, employers believe it's automatic, that during the probationary period there's no severance, wrong, and in many cases that would be a wrongful dismissal to let someone go without severance. Okay, so we understand that uh, within three months you can uh, be let go without severance if it's in writing. What if your probationary period, first of all, can it go longer than three months, and if it is six months, can you extend the no severance offer that long? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you you, you can't. Uh, it, now you you can be on probation for longer than three okay. months, but you can't have something that says that for that period of time you won't get severance. Right. So the employer can still give themselves a period to evaluate you that's longer than three months, but you still get severance if you were let go. So those are two separate things. Period of evaluation is one. Severance is is two. It's a separate issue altogether. So can an employer extend? probation right. yeah they can as a practical matter uh of course if they keep doing it then it becomes meaningless but they can generally extend it at least once but that does not mean you don't get severance so if you're you start working for three months on a probationary term and the employer says we need three more months to keep you on probation to evaluate and they let you go after four months well guess what you get severance the fact that they extended the probation does not mean you don't get severance. Uh, so many times I've talked to people where the probation was extended, they were let go, the employer didn't pay severance, and as I said, that's a wrongful dismissal. So how long, how many times can they extend it, or how long can a probationary period be? Well, generally speaking, uh, a probationary period in most cases is three months. Uh, it's three months because that's the only period of time that the employer is allowed to let you go without severance mm-hmm. if the employment agreement says that. Uh, you know, and that's really what employers want, right? Employers generally want to have that, that, that certainty that they can let someone go in the probationary period if, the peri- if things don't work out uh, without compensation. Uh, so that's why it's three months. Uh, you can stay on probation for longer. For example, the employer may say, we're not going to put you on our benefits until you pass the probation. So we'll extend the probation. We're still not ready to commit to you. We'll extend it by another three months. But... That still means that if you're let go in that second three-month period, you get severance. So extensions are okay as long as you still get severance if things happen that you, uh, that end up uh, with you losing your job. So those are two separate things. We'll uh, take a quick break. The number is one 821 5900 It's Lior at EmploymentHour.com. And, of course, Severance Pay Calculator, SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. More of the Employment Hour coming right up here. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. You want to go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out what your severance offer really should be. The math is correct. The tool is wonderful. It takes about 30 seconds to uh, use it. And uh, you can either use it and go away. You can hook up with Lior at that point by clicking a simple button. The email is lior at employmenthour.com. We're talking about being on probation. So what can an employer do if it's uh, not happy with the employer's performance during that probationary term? It is an obligation on the employer to to conduct an honest assessment of the employee during the probationary period. So they they really, if they're going to rely on the probationary period to potentially part ways, they need to have had a proper and and valid assessment. So they need to give an opportunity to to the person to to show their skills. Uh, An employer that, you know, a boss that's never there uh, and then complains about the employee not doing their job well during their probationary period would not have done a good job in, in evaluating them. Uh, so y- y- there needs to be measures put in place in terms of here's what we want, training provided. Let's face it, an employee is not going to know how to do everything right 
uh, when they just start the job, a new job. Even if you're an experienced uh, in the line of work, every employment or every workplace has its own rules, regulations, and ways of doing things. So an employer should provide that training, should provide help, and, and should give the employee every opportunity to, uh, to improve and, and to show what they can do. Now, if despite doing this and the employer is convinced that the employee can't do the job, yeah, they can let them go with or without severance depending on the terms of the employment agreement. But that key, uh, that proper evaluation is key, and a lot of employers you know, end up being too lazy to conduct that evaluation, and that's wrong. So, I mean, you're an employer as well. What, what, would you can, what, what falls under the, uh, the banner of reasonable when it comes to assessing an employee? Or what's unreasonable? It, yeah, it, it is different from workplace to workplace, and it is different from job to job. Uh, generally speaking, uh, an employer, uh, as long as the employer provides help to the employee and, and provides them with some guidance, that's most of the way there. It's, it's not appropriate for an employer to say, well, you weren't doing the job properly. Well, wait a second. Did you tell the employee how the job should be done? Did you offer help? Did you uh, tell them to come with you with questions? Did you give them samples? Uh, those are all key in trying to ensure that the employee does a good job and that you can have a proper, honest, and reasonable assessment of their skills. Uh, and it's okay to ask uh, the employee to work with another more experienced uh, employee and then get that person's right. feedback. So it really does depend on the workplace, John. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Lior at employmenthour dot com. So, is, is there certain situations where an employee should refuse to be on probation? Absolutely, there are, and so many times I've seen people not not thinking about that. So, so let me outline that. So, first, first of all, if you're being recruited from another job, so if you're leaving a secure right. job because this new company came to you and said, "We want you, we want you," and they've convinced you to come join them, and you decided to leave that job and take a leap of faith and, and join this new company. Do you want to be on probation? That's silly. Why would you ever, ever agree to that? If they want you so bad, if you're the right person, if you're going to leave the secure job, forget about probation. You have to tell them, no way, no how. I don't want to be on probation. It's unfair. You've recruited me. I left the job. I'm not going to leave a job just to come and join you and be on probation. Very bad idea. The other, uh, Another situation may be if you're returning to the company after being off on a leave of absence, maybe you were off uh, on a medical leave, maybe you were off on some sort of a sabbatical, and you come back to the company, well, wait a second, if you're now uh, an employee with some seniority there, don't agree to be on probation. Don't sign something that says you you can be put on probation. That's that's inappropriate. Why would you agree to be on probation if you've already established yourself? Don't give the employer an opportunity to say somehow that uh, either your seniority starts from scratch or that you, you may not have been doing a good job. You don't want to agree to that. Now, uh, if you are oftentimes what happens, uh, and we've talked about this before on the show, an employer may come to you once you're already working and want you to sign a new employment agreement. That's always, always a bad idea. Always a bad idea to sign an employment agreement once you're already working because that agreement in almost every case mm. is not going to be favorable to the employee. It's going to be favorable to the employer. And one of the things that em that employment agreement may do is stipulate a probationary period. So you may have already been working for the company for five years. You sign a new agreement that says you're on probation. You don't want to do that. You want to be very careful. When an employer comes to you and asks you to sign an employment agreement, after you've already been working for the company, be worried. Give me a call. Let me read it and let me see what it says. 
certainly don't agree to be on probation. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Leor at employmenthour.com. That's the way that uh, we'll get down to you in the last few minutes. A couple of emails. This one uh, similar to what we've been talking about. Neil says my wife was recruited by a very large company from a job she had for many years. She was just let go one year after she started. How much severance should she get? And this is a, a, a common scenario. And and you know people that are being recruited. Then when you are being recruited and you decide to leave a job, you obviously are gonna. Be, you know, have the best intentions. I mean, like getting married. No one gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. No one's going to accept a job and leave a job just to, to assume that this is not going to work out. So uh, if you were in a situation where you were recruited from another company, you're not looking to leave, uh, you're, you're simply doing your job and someone comes to you and convinces you to take this job, then uh, and if you lose your job down the road, then you're owed enhanced severance. We call this inducement. So inducement happens when you leave a secure job because of promises made to you about future employment. You start working, and in the first you know few years, you're let go. Then the severance that you're owed is going to be calculated on the basis of not just your seniority with the company, but also with the previous company. So, Neil, depending on, on how long your wife uh, was working with the previous company, the severance that she's owed is going to be calculated on the basis of her total seniority. So she shouldn't be just a one-year employee. She may be a five or a 10 or a 20-year employee, depending on how many years she worked with the previous company. Make sure she does not sign a severance uh, letter without talking to me. We need to talk about this inducement factor. In many cases, it could be the difference between you know getting three-month severance and getting 20-month severance. It's a big deal. We need to discuss it. You'll love this last email as we get down to our last minute or so. Mary says, I was just told this week that I have to sign a new employment agreement and that if I don't sign it within a week, I'll be fired. What can I do? Well, you know, it's a tough situation for Mary. She she doesn't want to lose her job, of course. Mary, I'll say this. The only reason your employer wants you to sign that employment agreement, it's because it's good for them, not because it's good for you. The first thing we need to do, Mary, is let me review it. Let me take a look at it and tell you whether or not we should care. Because if I'm wrong and there's nothing problematic about it, just sign. Who cares and move on? On the other hand, if there is something problematic, you don't want to sign. And in that case, could your employer let you go? Yes. But that would be a termination without cause, which means you have to get paid your full severance. And it may be better to do that than to sign an employment agreement because what if that agreement reduces your severance? And you sign that agreement, and a year later you're let go. Now you're going to get a fraction of the severance that you're owed because that's what the employment agreement said. Right. Be concerned about it. Don't sign it. Give me an opportunity to review it and tell you what it means and whether you should uh, be concerned about it or not. Another beauty to uh, wrap it up here. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email in the meantime, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And you want to figure out what your severance offer should be, whether you're just thinking about it or you have one in front of you, go to severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour, Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.